Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. Today's choices direct tomorrow's outcome. If you don't like where you are right now and you look back over your history, you are here because of what you did yesterday and the day before that. You are where you are now because of yesterday's choices. Now, this works for you. Don't feel bad about that. This works for you because if you want to be in a better place tomorrow, you can start making good choices today. How good is that? So let me tell you a little story. When I remember when I first met uh, my wife, Sarah, and, and uh, I was, had just been going back to church. I was a, uh, I was a Christian. Uh, Sarah was, was not a Christian, but that's what happens when you meet your future spouse in a nightclub, okay? Now, now there's a whole heap of things here that I wouldn't advise to you, okay? Like going and meeting your future spouse in a nightclub. But here's, here's the point, right? At the time, I've just returned to church. I'm trying to find my path. And so I'm out, and we happened to, to, to meet, and, and I liked her, and she liked me, so, so we started dating, right? Now, I remember one day, God, God was getting hold of my heart, and I remember one day, uh, we were at her house, and, and I, I had a conversation with her, because I knew that she wasn't a Christian, she wasn't interested in church, she didn't like church or, or church people, and, and so she said, you know, I, I'm, that's not the, the path that I'm headed down. So I said to her, well, I need you to know something about me, is that God's got hold of my heart. And I know that when we met, like God was getting hold of my heart, but you just got to know something. I am just committed in that direction. And I'm going to go after God for the rest of my life. And if you're not even interested in paying attention to these things that are happening in my world and my life right now, you don't want to come to church. This relationship is not going to work. So here's what I said. I said, we need to break up. In fact, we're going to break up now. We're going to break up tonight. And she said, whoa, 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 don't get crazy. <laughs> I said, no, it has to happen. So, so we, we differ about this story because I say that we broke up for at least 10 minutes, right? She says that that didn't happen, but... But I'm preaching, so it did, okay? So, so, I, so we, we, broke, we broke up, and I said, you've got to at least come to church and, and check it out. And this is what she says to me. She says, all right, I'll go. But I'm not impressing those people. I said, what do you mean? She said, I'm not dressing up for them. I said, so she's losing it down here right now. I said, so what do you mean? Like, what are you going to do? She said, I'm wearing tracksuit pants to church. And I said, I said, you know, they're not really going to care about that. And she said, well, well I'm going to do it. So that's what she did. Defiantly, she wore tracksuit pants for months, actually. It's kind of weird. And, um, and so she's wearing tracksuit pants. Guess what? Newsflash. Nobody cared. Nobody cared, right? But she had her own encounter with God. And because of that, I, I wouldn't even get close to proposing to Sarah until I knew that if we were ever to break up in the future, that she would definitely pursue her own path with God on her own, independently of me. And it wasn't until I knew she was absolutely committed to God that I knew I could be absolutely committed to her. See, I understood the ancient African proverb that says, man who walks in two directions will split his pants. Okay? I understood this proverb very well. So I knew that I was going one direction 
as she was going another direction, and if we were to continue together going in opposing directions, eventually we were going to split up. So I had the wisdom enough at that point in our relationship to call it up front because it's difficult being torn in two directions. It's difficult sometimes knowing what's right with your mind, but your heart is wanting to make all the other decisions. And I'm going to tell you something that's absolutely true. You can think back about this in your, in your own life. You will follow your strongest desire. That's how you got here. You will follow your strongest desire. Now, when you do that consistently, it's just the principle of the path. You're just taking one step after the other, heading in a direction. I think that's why God said to Solomon, don't accumulate the horses and don't accumulate wives and and don't accumulate wealth. But at, at some point, Solomon said, you know what? I just don't understand why I need to follow all of these stupid rules. I don't... Hello, church. Welcome. I mean, when you become a Christian, do, do you not sometimes feel that way? It's like, why do we have to do that? I mean, Solomon says, I don't understand why I need to pay attention to that. So you know what he did? He did something that was worse than just stop reading the signs. He learned to ignore the signs that told him the path that he was going down. It's much worse when you learn habitually to ignore the signs. I'm wondering, have you ignored the signs because you didn't understand why they were there in the first place? God, why do we have to do that anyway? Why, why can't I say that? Why you got to always stop all the fun stuff, you know? Why can't we go in that direction? Why can't I go with those people? Why can't I make that decision with my life? I wonder if you've ever ignored something just because you didn't understand it. Let me ask you a better question. Can you obey God when it doesn't make sense? Can you obey God when what he's saying to you in your rational thinking, in your mind, it makes absolutely no sense to you? At that point, can you follow him? Because it's not always going to make sense. Horses, wives, and wealth are not about horses, wives, and wealth. It's never what you think it is. It's never what you think it is. Oh, you just need to understand that. Turn to the person next to you, but do it with attitude and say, it's not what you think it is. Now turn to the other person and say, it's not what you think it is. But point this time, point. Like get in their face. Because I want you to remember this. It's like get in their face. It's not what you think it is. Can I tell you that the story about Adam and Eve isn't about a couple that got hungry one day (laughs) and had a snack. It's not about the fruit. Do you know what fruit it is? No. Do you know why? It's not important. It's not important what the fruit was. The story is not about a couple who one day went out and just ate a piece of fruit which they were not allowed to eat. Because, and this is why people that that don't come to church and don't understand what we're talking about, they think that this stuff is weird because they think it's about the fruit. And I don't know, like, just, just, don't you think that death is kind of a harsh penalty for stealing some fruit? Wouldn't you say that? Like, don't you think God sounds a little bit mean if he's just going to kill somebody because they, because they ate some fruit? 
So in the morning, I have a smoothie. Every morning, it's the same smoothie. If someone eats my banana, I feel like I want to kill them, but I don't because I'm saved. Don't, don't eat my banana, okay? That's right. But, but with God, it's not a story about the fruit. No, it's a story about two people that God gave instruction to. And the people heard the instruction, and then they willingly, intentionally, and purposefully decided to do the exact opposite of what God said to them. It's actually a story about people turning their backs on God and rebelling against what he'd said. That's what the story's about. But see, God doesn't come along and explain to them all the details and the complexities of what will happen if they eat the fruit. He doesn't say to them, hey, listen, I just want you to know like a thousand years from now, this is what's going to happen. You eat that piece of fruit, seriously, it's so bad for you. It's so bad for all humanity. You have no idea. In fact, you eat that piece of fruit, one day I'm going to have to send myself in the form of Jesus. I'm going to have to send Jesus to come and pay the penalty for sins so that people will be forgiven because they're going to be just like you thinking they, they can make it on their own independent of me, but they won't be able to. And you're going to kickstart something that's going to really destroy the human race. He didn't say any of that, did he? No, no, no. He didn't say that. What did he say? Don't eat the fruit. Just don't touch the fruit. I don't, I don't explain everything to my kids. Here's a story that's less than 24 hours old. My wife is out yesterday at something for the whole day, and she took the keys to the car. So I said... I, I called her. I said, where are the keys? She says, I've got them. I said, oh. I said, we've got to go to the shops. I said, we'll walk there together because we don't live that far. So that sounds lovely, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you walk three small children to the shops, okay? Right? So here's the thing. We get, we're about to walk down to the shops, and can you imagine the advice that I give to them? I say to them, all right, guys, now you're walking, and you're walking a little bit ahead of me, so I want you to stick to the footpath, right? I want you to stick to the path, right? They said, can we run ahead? I said, yes, but don't walk off the path. Here, I didn't say to them, don't go on the grass uh, and, and explain the dangers of being in the grass because my kids are like, if the grass is here, it's right next to the curb, they're going to stand as close as they can to the edge. I didn't want them to be that close, but I didn't even give them that level of detail. I said, just don't get off the path and don't cross any roads. That's all I said. Here's what I didn't tell them. I didn't come to them and I didn't say to them, listen, I said, don't run. And, and, and I knew why I was thinking it. I'm thinking because if you're running and somebody's in a four-wheel drive and they're reversing out of their driveway and you are small children, they might not necessarily see you and they could back right over you. So don't run and stick to the path. I didn't go into all the complexities because you know what? They didn't need to know and I know for a fact they won't remember. So I said to them, I said, you know what? All you need to do, stick to the path and don't cross any roads. Can you do that? They're like, yeah, 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 dad, we can, we can do that. So, so we, went to the, we went to the shops. Now, everything... This is what's very important to me when I'm giving my kids instruction is that they just listen to what I say and they just obey me. Don't, don't ask for all the details, okay? Because you're not going to remember anyway. But can you just listen to me and can you just obey me? You know, when we get to the shops, right? Some of you guys, if you don't have kids, you, don't, you, you might not understand this, right? When we get to the ship, shops, we, we go into Coles and, uh, and I say to them, they want to touch all the fruit all the time. They want to touch the fruit. I don't know why. Stop squeezing that, you know? No one, no one can eat that now. So stop it, right? So I say to them, I say, don't touch the fruit. So you know what they do? They, they touch all the fruit. So 
so this is what you see, and this is why you don't understand. Sometimes when you're not a parent, you see a disproportionate response to the situation. And so someone touches some fruit, and you're like, what's wrong with you? I told you not to touch the fruit. Don't touch the fruit, right? And you're getting all worked up about it. I'm sure single people without children are saying, parents are crazy, right? I know. You don't understand. It's not about the fruit. It's never about the fruit. You know what it is? It's about, I just told you to do something, and you're getting comfortable at ignoring what I say. Now, here's where it becomes serious, because in Coles, not a big deal. But when my kids are running towards the road, and it's a a three-lane highway, and cars are zipping past, and I call out to them, stop running, and they hear my voice, and they already know instantly I have to do what dad says, it saves their life. Now, this is what God does with people. He doesn't tell you about all the complexities and where everything can go wrong. But people don't like that. You know what people say? They say, I want to know what's going to happen to me. I want a detailed plan. I want an itinerary and a description of the risk and the outcome. So if I cross the line, tell me exactly what is going to happen. When I put my kids to bed, right, it's crazy. I speak to them in the, in, in the afternoon, and I say to them, kids, I said, what did you learn at school today? They say, nothing. I say, why are we sending you? Like, you should just chill out and watch Netflix all day because you don't learn anything ever. But when I put them to bed, they want to tell me everything that they did. Like They will tell me their whole day. They will ask the deepest, most philosophical questions They will ask me to read detailed portions of scripture to them as they're going to sleep. And here's something else that's weird. My kids turn into camels. I'm like, they're like, Dad, I need another drink. I'm like, you just had one. Why why do you need to get out of bed again? Here's what, please, don't, don't report me to the Department of Human Services, but... This is what happened last night. My kids have all had drinks. They're in bed and they're all calling out and they say, Dad, we want a drink. And I said, it just came out. I said, you can die of thirst. And when it came out, I said, I don't know if I can say that, but it happened and I didn't take it back. I said, you can just die of thirst and I'll see you in the morning. I just believed that they weren't really going to die of thirst, right? So, so here's the thing, right? My kids always want to have these detailed discussions and, and conversations, right? I say to them, you got to go to bed, and I want you to go to sleep, right? And then they ask me this question. They say to me, Dad, yeah, what will happen if we decide to talk? I say, well, you're going to lose your pocket money. They say, how much of it? Do you know what they're doing? They're measuring risk. They're saying, should we decide, can can I weather the storm? Should should we decide that it's worth the risk? I'm going to talk and lose the money just so we can have the conversation. My kids always want a detailed outline of the risk and what will happen if they break it. I think people are like that too. Listen, don't just obey God when it makes sense. Because if you do, here's what's going to happen to you. You're going to develop a pattern of ignoring what you don't understand. And... You are most at risk when you stop measuring risk. 
And that is exactly what Solomon did, and that's what people do. I had something that I left under my seat. A little packet, that's what I need. So, so I have a packet of cigarettes here. And I bought this, I've got to be honest, it's the first time I've stopped in to pick up a packet of smokes on the way to church. <laughs> <clears throat> and so anyway, I, I used to work in a liquor store, and obviously we, sell, we sold cigarettes all the time. And, uh, and I, wanted, I want to tell you, I, I had this conversation with Sarah, she was going out last night, I said, can you pick... I said, said, can you pick me up a pack of smokes? She said, no. I said, but I need it. She said, what for? I'm like, for a sermon illustration. She's like, I'm not doing it. See, my wife is so righteous. She won't even pick up a packet of cigarettes for an illustration. So, so I had to do it this morning. So anyway, um, I used to sell you know, cigarettes all the time, and I would have customers that come in. Now, I you can't see this, because Sarah said, no, I'm not getting those. Just put it up on the big screen. I don't want to put it on the big screen because I put these horrible pictures on it. Hopefully, you can't make it out. So this is what it says. It says, smoking causes emphysema, right? And that I remember when they brought in these words that had to go on every packet of cigarettes. And when they started having to label them and putting on pictures of what can happen to people when they smoke. So... Uh, I would get people that would come in and they would say to me, this is, this is true conversations that I really had. They would come in and say, hey, can I have a pack of smokes? I'm like, yeah, there you go. And they would go, ooh, smoking courses, emphysema. Nah, I'm not interested in that. What else you got back there? I'd say, what do you mean? And, and the men, this is true. The men would say, well, I can't get pregnant. Give me the smoking will harm my baby because I, I'm not planning on getting pregnant, right? And I would say, okay. And so I would get them the other one because, and here's what it is, they're having a joke. They're like, it's hilarious, right? This is so funny because I'm not going to get pregnant so I can do it. By the way, if you're here today and you smoke, I don't want you to feel guilty because it's not about that. It's just about, it's just a great illustration, really. And so when I give them this packet, they, they know what's on it. I mean, literally, if you read the side of the packet, it says this. Uh, actually, let me read the back. This one's even better. Smoking causes... Most cases, most cases of emphysema. Emphysema is the slow and permanent destruction. Slow and permanent. What do we call that? Oh, that's just the principle of the path, isn't it? It's slow and it's permanent. They're telling you the destination up front, aren't they? Here it is. It's the slow and permanent destruction of the air sacs in your lungs. And over time, it becomes harder and harder to breathe you slowly start to die from lack of air. On the front of the packet, or around here, it's got the quit hotline. Now, here's the thing. With all the warnings that spell out the destination, that say, if you smoke this, you are most likely to die. People still do it. I, I, to me, I think it's kind of fascinating. In fact, I remember the uh, slogan of the you know, the quick campaign, it said every cigarette is doing you damage. You know why? Because every cigarette is just another step in the wrong direction. And it, you're headed towards a destination. 
See, they understood the principle of the path as well. And this is what we need to wrap our heads around. If you get too comfortable ignoring the warning labels and you get over familiar with seeing warning labels, but you learn the repeated patterning of not paying attention to what you don't understand or maybe what you disagree with, you're going to end up in a bad place. Why? Because you stopped measuring the risk. You just stopped measuring the risk. This doesn't apply to me anymore. And one day you arrive at a destination that you probably don't like. And when you get there, if you say, God, why did you let this happen to me? He will say to you, are you kidding me? I mean, I did everything I could to get your attention. I mean, are you kidding me? Because I was, I mean, all of my words and advice and wisdom are in here and you were given Bibles that you just never read. Are you kidding me? I was the sound of your parents speaking to you. I was the wisdom of your pastor getting your attention. You heard sermons on this that you learned to ignore. You developed such a pattern of not responding to what I was saying. The very moment that there was an opportunity for you to respond at the end of a service, you stood back with your arms folded saying, not me and not today. But I was speaking to you and you learned to ignore me. You learned to ignore your conscience. My spirit was continually speaking to through your conscience, but you got so comfortable at crossing the line continuously that you developed a callous heart to the point that you no longer paid attention to anything that I said. You just didn't listen. You just took a detour. That's where Solomon went wrong. He took detours. Now, horses, wives, and wealth, after three messages, I'm going to tell you what it all is about. They were signs that said, treacherous road ahead. But he had learnt for so long to ignore the obvious. He learnt for so long to no longer pay attention to what God said or what the priest said or what the prophet said. He, he had learnt to just ignore it. He said, I don't understand why I have to follow these rules. And then he probably made a mistake that I think so many people have made. I know what I'm doing. I know it's dangerous for other people, but I know what I'm doing. I can get myself out of this. So what does he do? Well, he starts to accumulate wealth. Now, what's wrong with wealth? Nothing. God doesn't have a problem with money. He's not worried about money at all. But, But here's the issue. When you can afford to not rely on God and you're the king of a nation, you're going to have a problem. And this is what happens to people. They start to store their hope in other places. And at one point, you were totally reliant on God for everything. And then you said, no, no, I can afford to have some mistakes in my life. And God didn't want the nation of Israel to afford those mistakes. We said, don't accumulate wealth. Why? It's a false sense of security. It's not going to help you. And you already know this because there are people in this room today that have felt maybe secure because of your wealth position, but all you need is a diagnosis that's incurable, and suddenly you realize you're just as helpless as you ever were. You're going to have situations and circumstances where you can't lean on your wealth. It's a false sense of security. He didn't want Solomon to have that, so he said, don't accumulate wealth. And the other thing he said, he said, don't accumulate horses. 
So Israel has this incredible history of God doing the miraculous. He led the children of Israel right, out of Egypt to the Red Sea. When they got stuck, he just parted it. When the Egyptians tried to follow, he covered them over. They won battles by shouting and whole cities fell out. They smashed jars and their enemy killed themselves. That's how you know you're losing when you're killing your friends. Okay? So this is what happens, right? Why? Because God put them in a, there's such a spirit of confusion. This is what happened to Gideon. And there's a spirit of confusion, and the army turned on themselves. They won. They stood back. All they did is praise God. They, they actually showed up at battles with trumpets. I mean, that sounds like you're going to lose, except when you've got God on your side. They were so reliant on God, and he would show up. Now, I, if I was them, I would say, you're better off just sticking with God. But when they started to accumulate horses, it gave them a strategic military advantage. And it's almost as if they were saying, you know what, God, you were really helpful in the beginning. We don't need you anymore. No, no. Thank you for giving us a good start. But we don't need you anymore. We know how to do it ourselves. What's the problem? There's, there's no trust there anymore. We, we don't need to trust you, God. We can, we can handle it. So don't, don't get the horses. Number three, he says, don't, don't accumulate lots of wives. And this is kind of surprising to me because God's issue was, it was not a moral issue. He didn't look at it and say, oh, that's, that's, that's something that's, that's wrong. It's a sin to have lots of wives. No, no, no. He said, don't have lots of wives because a lot of the marriages were contracts and political alliances. In fact, if you read 1 Kings chapter 3, and verse 1, it says that he married the daughter of Pharaoh. Isn't that kind of funny? The same people that oppressed them for hundreds of years, now he becomes his ally. The reason he marries Pharaoh's daughter is he knows that if he ever has to go to war, he has an ally in Egypt. And God is saying, hey, listen, I'm a better ally than the people that enslaved you for hundreds of years. Stop trying to get your confidence from other places and people, right? Come back to me. Come back to me. Come back to me. Listen to my words. Don't go after that stuff. But they did. God knew that it was difficult to have a person torn in two directions. Your mind wanting to go one way and your, your heart being torn in another direction. And remember, you follow your strongest desire. Now, I want you to pay attention to this because what you're about to see is the moment, it's the time when it became very evident that Solomon's heart had turned. And you're going to see how. First Kings chapter 11, verse 1 says, Now King Solomon loved many foreign women along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonian, and Hittite women. Well, <laughs> he likes variety. We know he's, he's not racist. He says, From the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, You shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they with you. For surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. And Solomon clung clung to these in love. He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For when Solomon was old, 
His wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after the Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not wholly follow the Lord as David his father had done. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, and for Moloch, the abomination of the Ammonites, on the mountains east of Jerusalem. And so he did for all his foreign wives who made offsprings and sacrificed to their gods. He said, don't, don't, just don't have lots of wives because if you do, your heart will be torn in one direction and you'll be torn in another and you'll know what's right, but you'll choose what's wrong. So I don't want to have to explain the whole thing to you, but if you obey me, this is the safest place that you can be. And it's why the king had to read those scriptures over and over and over, but he didn't do it. And I think to myself, he walked past the temple that he built, took him 20 years. He even attached his house to it, right? And I'm thinking, how did he miss the temple? No, he didn't miss it. He walked past it every day. All the energy and all the effort into this incredible temple that he built, he didn't, he didn't not see it. He saw it. He just learned to ignore the purpose for why it was built. And in favor of his wives, he went after things that he was told that he wasn't supposed to go after. His wives changed the direction of his heart. And this next thing that I'm going to tell you, this is unbelievably important. In fact, I mean, I would put this in bold and I would put an exclamation mark right over this point right now. You, you, You need to understand this. What has your heart directs your path and has determined your future. It's what's got your heart. You can be as smart as you like. What's got your heart directs your path, determines your future. And this is why this is so important to know this. This this thing you have in here, this thing called your heart, it lies to you. It lies to you. In fact, Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things. Who can understand it? The heart, you know what it's a metaphor for? It's a metaphor for your will and your emotions. See, sometimes you know what's wrong. You know that you shouldn't do something. And you still make the decision and you didn't make it with your mind and with your wisdom. It was an emotive response. It was your heart. And your heart lies to you. Your heart is like a dishonest salesperson. Do you know what dishonest salespeople do? They tell you all of the benefits, but they hide the cost. And your heart says, it'll be okay, it'll be okay, it'll be okay, when it won't. And you'll lie to yourself to get what your heart desires over what you know you should do with your life. And if you were to step back and look at the big picture of Solomon, he was incredibly wise, unbelievably wise, unimaginably wise. But yet despite that, there was one thing that he didn't understand. And you know what it was? It was his heart. He thought, I can handle this. I'll be okay. And he made decisions that put him on a path to a future that God didn't want for the nation. And he started well. You can start well 
and you can end badly. You just got to stay on the same path. Now remember, he said, that'll never happen to me. I'm too clever for that. <laughs> really? Because Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived and ever will live, and it happened to him. And if it can happen to him, you got to think, it could happen to you. So you'll never be wiser than Solomon, but you can be smarter if you do this one thing. Trust God when it doesn't make sense. Everyone trusts God when it makes sense. People know to trust God when it's obvious. People follow what God says when it's obvious. It's when it's not obvious. It's when you don't know. It's when the outcome is hidden from you. When it doesn't make sense in that place. Can you, can you trust God when it doesn't make sense to you? You know, I think that Solomon, he, he, he must have figured this out because eventually he writes this scripture out of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with your heart. Don't let your heart go anywhere else. Anywhere else. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. Don't lean on your own understanding. That's how you got there in the first place. You didn't understand everything. That's why you made a mistake. God didn't explain everything to you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And when I say acknowledge him, it's not like you tip the brim of your cap. Thank you, Jesus. Fully acknowledge him in everything that you do. When you're about to make a significant decision in your life, pay attention to the signs. Learn to read the warning labels. Pay attention to it before you do anything significant with your life. Acknowledge God in all of your ways. And what will he do? He'll make your paths straight. If you want to walk an easier route in life, acknowledge God. Trust him. Lean into him. Have you learned to lean? Have you learned to lean? Have you learned to lean into God when everything around you is not making sense and you don't know why he put that stuff there in the first place, but despite the fact that you don't understand it, have you learned to lean? Are you still trying to lean on your own understanding? Are you so accustomed to the warning labels that you've got so used to just ignoring what you know is staring you in the face and saying, you've got to stop doing this. Have you become so accustomed to it that you've, that you've learned through that repeated pattern of behavior to just ignore it? Or perhaps you just, you just stopped reading the warning labels a long, long time ago. And if you were going to be really honest right now, you would say, I have just wandered so far from where I wanted to be. I told you, this is the principle of the path. You won't beat it. It's leading you somewhere. Are you where you want to be? Here's the best thing about it. You can make decisions today that you get to walk in tomorrow. You just got to keep trusting God. Why don't you stand to your feet? We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.